Hello and welcome to a rock and roll rabbit hole where I will be digging through my vinyl record collection of about 500 records and my tiny brain of about 500 remaining brain cells and taking a light-hearted, laid-back and positive fanboy's look at my favourite songs and bits of songs that fall within a different set theme every episode. Choosing from any song part that gives me joy as a listener or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. It won't be a countdown, but I will leave my favourite choice for last. This is just a bit of chilled, unnecessary fun that hopefully inspires someone to buy a record, listen to an old favourite album, support a musician, and check out some of this amazing art that has formed the soundtrack of my life. As a lot of people like to share their opinions these days, please do let me know if you think that I have missed anything in my record collection that I know and that I like by sending me an email at I don't ever check this email at gofuckyourself.cock and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Now, nah, seriously, if you do have any suggestions, you can hit me up at suggestions at arockandrollrabbithole.com. I'd love to hear from you and check out some new music, some old music, some great YouTube interviews, anything rockin' and entertaining. I love it all. And if I like it, I'll play it and give you a shout-out on a future episode. Also, if you dig what I'm doing, feel free to tell a friend or two. You can also visit the website, www.arockandrollrabbithole.com for Spotify playlists of each episode, past episodes, and some other golden magic. Thanks heaps. Episode 6, The F-Bomb Thanks so much for listening again, guys. I've had downloads now in 48 countries and some I had to Google to see exactly where you're at. Apologies, Senegal and Honduras. I am excited about this episode and I'm making a bit of a push to ask you guys if you are digging the podcast to please rate and review it, especially on the Apple app if you listen on that. Then shoot me a DM on Instagram and I'll post you a sticker and pick pack anywhere in the world for free. And this week, I want to quickly thank Dave Fuckface Brick, Daryl Fucking Sampson in Huntsville, Alabama, Lisa Go Fuck Yourself Crawley in Hollywood, Peter Fuck the Dreadlocks Barnes, Chris the Fuckmaster Bristow, and Sam Fuck Right Handed Leftovic for some nice vibes this week. Appreciate it, guys. Anyway, hide the kids for my Fuck Fest of Fury, Episode 6, F-Bombs. Today, we salute the impact, humour and fun use of the word fuck in rock and roll. Four simple letters that have caused controversy, laughter and slaps from grandmothers all over the English-speaking world. Here's George Carlin's take on the great word. Perhaps one of the most interesting words in the English language today is the word fuck. Out of all of the English words that begin with the letter F, fuck is the only word that is referred to as the F word. 
It's the one magical word. Just by its sound can describe pain, pleasure, hate, and love. Fuck, as most words in the English language, is derived from German, the word frichen, which means to strike. In English, fuck falls into many grammatical categories. As a transitive verb, for instance, John fucked Shirley. As an intransitive verb, Shirley fucks. Its meaning's not always sexual. It can be used as an adjective, such as John's doing all the fucking work. As part of an adverb, Shirley talks too fucking much. As an adverb enhancing an adjective, Shirley is fucking beautiful. As a noun, I don't give a fuck. As part of a word, abso-fucking-lutely, or in-fucking-credible. And, as almost every word in a sentence, fuck the fucking fuckers. As you must realize, there aren't too many words with the versatility of fuck. As in these examples, describing situations such as fraud, I got fucked at the used car lot. Dismay, aw, oh, fuck it. Trouble, I guess I'm really fucked now. Aggression, don't fuck with me, buddy. Difficulty, I don't understand this fucking question. Inquiry, who the fuck was that? Dissatisfaction, I don't like what the fuck is going on here. Incompetence, he's a fuck off. Dismissal, why don't you go outside and play hide and go fuck yourself? I'm sure you can think of many more examples. With all of these multi-purpose applications, how can anyone be offended when you use the word? We say, use this unique, flexible word more often in your daily speech. It will identify the quality of your character immediately. Say it loudly and proudly. Fuck you! The earliest use of the F-bomb that I could find in recorded history was from a song called Shave and Dry, written in 1924, but this version was released in 1935 by an artist called Lucille Bogan. I got nipples on my titties, big as the end of my thumb. I got something between my legs, I'll make a dead man come Oh, daddy, baby, won't you shave them dry? No, no, no. Want you to grind me, baby, grind me until I cry. Say, I fucked all night and all the night before, baby. And I feel just like I want to fuck some more. Oh, great God, Daddy, grind me, honey, and shave me dry. And when you hear me holler, baby, I want you to shave me dry. I got nipples on... 85 years ago and she's cursing like she's auditioning for the darkness. Speaking of the darkness, Justin Hawkins is a master of fuckery in his tunes. Here's some samples from the first album, Permission to Land.
I've chosen my favourite F-bomb song from the album and double points for the darkness for landing a C-bomb in the same tune. Get your hands off my woman, the darkness. Special mention goes out to Body Jar for not having any F-bombs in eight or so albums, but four subtle C-bombs in seven seconds on Is It A Lie, where the backing vocals offer up a touching die cunt, die cunt, die. Two points The Darkness, one point Body Jar. Just a quick side rabbit hole on the riff of Get Your Hands Off My Woman by The Darkness. It sounds very much like a 90s tune that I also love called Sister Havana by Urge Overkill. This guy's voice is magic. Kelly ain't afraid of an F-bomb to push a lyrical point across, and here's great use in a song about an on-and-off-again relationship while travelling. Every fucking city, Paul Kelly. We argued on the Channel train to Paris The Van Rouge helped us make it sweet again but by the time that we got down to Leon, everything I said was wrong, and you cursed me in the rain. We split up for a while in Barcelona. We met up six days later in Madrid. I was hoping that the break would make things go a little better for us, and for a little while it almost did. Now I'm in a bar in Copenhagen And I'm trying hard to forget your name And I'm staring at the label on a bottle of cerveza 
And every fucking city feels the same The next three examples use the F-bomb as a verb. The first one has Mike Patton of Faith No More wanting to be compensated for his sexual prowess after wishing you a pleasant day for your birthday with something for your mouth. The gentle art of making enemies. Great advice from Tenacious D. Listen closely. You don't always have to fuck her hard. In fact, sometimes that's not right to do. Sometimes you got to make some love and fucking give her some smooches too. Sometimes you got to squeeze. Sometimes you got to say please. Sometimes you got to say, I'm gonna fuck you softly. I'm gonna screw you gently. I'm gonna hump you sweetly. I'm gonna ball you discreetly. And then you say, Hey, I brought you flowers. And then you say, Wait a minute, Sally. Got something in my teeth Could you get it out for me That's fucking teamwork The film clip of this next song is great and weird Check it out on YouTube with Trent Reznor doing commentary If he's talking about me I hope that the animal he mentions is something small Like a puppy, a mouse or a gerbil But if it's you, I'm cool with it being an elephant or a polar bear But before then, the last word from the D and I fucking fuck you discreetly And then I fucking moan you completely But then I'm on a fuck you Closer, Nine Inch Nails You let me desecrate you you let me penetrate 
This next one poses a fair question, and I'm guessing that the answer is something to do with you having a bass solo in your song, but here goes. Add it up, Violent Femmes. Just one day after day, I get angry, and I will say that the day is in my sight when I take a bow and say goodnight. Oh, my mama, mama. Here's Mick Jagger being a little politically incorrect in this day and age in a song from the 70s. I have noticed that Mick Jagger has left this verse out since the mid-80s when singing the song live. Some Girls, The Rolling Stones. Plenty of songs by this band that use the old F-bomb, but I have picked this one because I remember hearing it as a kid and it really was a bit of a shock for me to hear it used with such venom. Out to get me, Guns N' Roses. biggest disappointment in researching these six episodes so far is me losing hours looking for an Oasis song with an F-bomb in it, as I thought there would be a bunch, but I couldn't find any. They do have a song called Fucking in the Bushes, but it's an instrumental with some sampled talking. 
The band used this song as their opening song on tape, not live, on their Don't Believe the Truth tour. It also features in the movie Snatch, but has no F-bombs. So as compensation, here's a compilation of Liam Gallagher swearing. I'm shit. Bit butted fucking you boy! You all right, cunt? Do I look like I've got a fucking way? <laughs> Stay out of my fucking way. Fuckers. Don't be dicking it. Don't be fucking about. No, don't yeah. be fucking about. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fucking wankers, you know. All that shit, shit. All the shit stuff. That's fuck that shit, man. Even if it ended at fucking the gig at the fucking dog and duck in fucking Bristol. He's got a fucking great guys, man. Do you want to fucking join? We're going fucking yes, John McEnroe. You fucking mania. He goes, I'm in a fucking band. Went shit, I say shit, and it all gets a bit fucking shit, man. No, you've tripped that, that con, and I mean, that's... well, my fucking ears are in pain. Fucking hearing your fucking voice, you twat. Fuck it, innit? Fuck scenes. Fuck that shit. I've here to get number one, right? It took us fucking 12 months, yeah? And our kid was a daft cunt and said, what? Then fucking legalise it and make it the best fucking thing since sliced bread. You know? A really fucking massive big fuck off boo for Man United. And fucking sitting on your ass and fucking counting your money and going, oh yeah, we're number one. Fucking well, talking uh, the rest of the cunts. Precisely. Don't fucking buy it and stop asking questions, you bunch of cunt. Do any of that bollocks? If people haven't fucking noticed, I'm on a different fucking plane. Man. What do you think of rock and roll today? I think it's shit. Rolling the fucking shit. Are you fucking like dickheads camping outside my fucking house? Right, you cheeky fucking cunts, man. Right, fucking bland fucking people. Dickhead through the fish here then. Fucking stinky, smelly fish, man. Now listen, like, it ain't that fucking bad, right? Don't be throwing fish on stage, mate. You got shit questions, you, man. Space that and that jazz shit ain't helping. <laughs> I'd be a proper cunt to buy a fucking t shirt and a poster on the way out, you fuckers. They'd <laughs> give us shit reviews most of the time. We'd fucking up, we'd put our tickets on sale and it'd yeah, be fucking, there'd be 20,000 fucking kids there. That went ass. they don't give a fuck, they don't buy music because some fucking spotty little Herbert from fucking Hastings called Bartholomew fucking gives it fucking not out of five. They're like, ah, fuck that, I've seen that Parker he's wearing. Have you heard that fucking tune? Who fucking wants it? On the fucking wall, where's the fucking light switch? <laughs> I couldn't find the light switch and I thought, oh fuck it, I'm just going to have to go, man. So I just whipped it out, pissed all over his fucking new sound system. And he's gone like that, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, I was just having a fucking piss, innit? He's on me fucking new fucking stereo. I was like, yeah, it's alright, it'll fucking dry, won't it? <laughs> a fucking man can't reverse his own fucking bastard <laughs> tune. What's the house. fucking world come to, eh? More than fucking ginger bollocks to throw us off the stage. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No wonder we don't fucking get on. <laughs> I'm not a massive cunt. When Eddie Vedder calls you a stupid fuck, you're probably a stupid fuck. This is Why Go by Pearl Jam. The songwriter of this next song, Pete Townsend, 
encountered Paul Cook and Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols in a bar and they thought very highly of him for paving the way for punk rock music. He was conflicted because he feared that his band had sold out and seeing the Sex Pistols, who were icons of rebellion, worried him even more. He left that bar and passed out in a random doorway in Soho, New York. A policeman recognised him and being kind, woke him up and told him, you can go and sleep at home tonight instead of a jail cell if you can get up and walk away. The songwriter's response was, who the fuck are you? I'm Alan Partridge. Uh, You're watching and listening to Radio Norwich. Singer, actor, family man. Started off a mod, became a rocker. Roger Daltrey, who are you? Who, who? Who, who? Who are you? Ho, ho. Ho, ho. Well? Well, let's find out. You were born in 1943 in uh, Great Bookham, Surrey. Uh, fate dealt the young Roger a cruel blow when your father was tragically killed on the battlefield. And uh, in... in 19- no. No, no. no. Um, um, uh, no. I was born in Hammersmith right. and... Uh, 1944. Right. My father um, came home from the war. I'll, I see what this is rather embarrassing. This. So I've. I've. Um, this, this, someone's given me next work, week's uh, research notes. That's what I do. Roger Waters. Sorry about that. Oh. Yeah. So I'm terrible <laughs> like that. I'm sorry. Yeah. I once. Easily uh, done. Yeah. Yeah. I once. Uh, I'm terrible with names. I once interviewed uh, Dave Gilmore and I called him Sir Tim Rice. Just what the world needs, another fucking bass solo. I'm not going to include a Metallica song either, but here's some YouTube magic. This next track is a song I love off an album I love, and it also has a clever cocaine and musicians line that would have been at home in episode four, Drugs. 
fake tales of San Francisco, Arctic Monkeys. This next one is a super famous song off a huge album. Have a listen as she drops a nasty F-dog. Just a quick side rabbit hole on this song. The backing musicians were keyboard player Ben Montench from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers and Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Dave Navarro from Jane's Addiction. Here's Alanis chatting about the song and who it is or isn't about. Do you get tired of singing that song? No, I love it. When you when you sing that song, do you go back to the, you know, the, the, that song for me has become like You're So Vain. Everyone guesses about who it's about. That that comedian, Dave Collier, who you dated. It's been about 13 people. <laughs> yeah, Dave, um, originally everyone said, oh, it's about your relationship with Dave and you broke mm. up. And then it became like it isn't about Dave. And then the rumor was it was really more about the guy you wrote the album with. Uh, there was always a rumored romance between you and Glenn. Was, uh, were you, not Glenn. <laughs> what's, his, what's his name? Uh, uh, Leslie. Leslie. Yes. So that's who it's about. It's not about Leslie. It's 
I'll never say who it's about. <laughs> well, well, why, I'll, I'll is that like a Carly uh, Simon thing? I don't know why Carly does or doesn't. Yeah. Um, why don't you? Why don't I? Yeah. Because I believe in artists writing and humans indulging the revenge fantasies. I think it's really important. Right. Because it can pull us out of depression. It can just pull us out of despondency and devastation. But I don't believe in the acting out of, re- of revenge. And if I were to have told who this song was about and given names and numbers and addresses, that would have been me acting out the revenge. I'm not into that. The album version of this song is actually a composite of two different performances done at two different studios. If you listen carefully, you can actually hear the sound of the guitar and vocals change where the edit was made. Working class hero, John Lennon. They hurt you at home and they hit you at school. They hate you if you're clever and they despise a fool Till you're so fucking crazy you can't follow their rules A working class hero is something to be And the edit comes just before the word tortured A working class hero is something to be You ready? When they've tortured and scared you for twenty odd years Then they expect you to pick a career And the second edit back to the first take is just after the word fear When you can't really function you're so full of fear A working class hero is something to be Working class hero is something to be Keep you doped with religion and sex and TV And you think you're so clever and classless and free But you're still fucking peasants as far as I can see Working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be I cannot be 18 and be a punk and pretend to be socially concerned with pimples and the wealth state of the welfare, okay? Which I was at 24. I see the world through different eyes now. Yeah. I still believe in love, peace, and understanding, as Elvis Costello said. What's so fucking funny about love, peace, and understanding? Well, you know, in a way, no thing is real if you break the word down. As the Hindus or that group say, you know, yeah. it's an illusion. I mean, in that respect, I agree, it is all an illusion, meaning all matter is is floating atoms, right? So in that way, we think it's a wall in ancient. It's a lot of atoms, and with some combination of yeah. laser or mind, you can go through it, right? So in one way, it's an illusion. Yeah. It's rational. We all see it. But the, the agreed-upon illusion is what we live in. Well, you seem to be... You, know, you seem. But to, I'm continuing, yeah. because we always... The hardest thing is facing yourself. It's easier to shout revolution and power to the people 
than it is to look at yourself and try and find out the, what's real inside you and what isn't. What, when you pull the wool over your own eyes, your own hypocrisy. That's the hardest one. And that's what I'm involved in. When I was younger, want, when, I could say when one is younger, but maybe they'll think that's too ego. You know, I'm not allowed to speak on that level because that upsets the little turds, right? So let's put it like when I was younger, I used to think that the world was doing it to me and that the world owed me something and that this, either the conservatives or the socialists or the fascists or the communists or the Christians or the Jews or the fascists were doing something to me. And when you're a teeny bopper, that's what you think. I'm 40 now, I don't think that anymore because I found out it doesn't fucking work. The thing goes on anyway and all you're doing is jacking off screaming about what your mommy and your daddy or society did. But one has to go through that. For the people who even bother to go through that, most assholes just accept what it is anyway and get on with it, right? So for the few of us who did question what was going on, I have found out personally, not for the whole world, that I am responsible for it as well as them. I am part of them. There's no separation. We're all one, right? So in that respect, I think... And I look at it all and think, ah, well, I have to deal with me again in, in that way. What is real? What, am I, what, what is the illusion I'm living? Or am I not living? And deal with it every day, the layers of the onion. You're very keen on, on Scotland. Was it John that introduced you to Scotland? was, actually, yeah. He, um, not a lot of people know, Terry. Right. <laughs> um, John was... He, he sort of came off his image was like sort of working class hero. He was actually the least working class of the Beatles. He was, he, he was brought up in a very sort of nice middle class uh, environment. And uh, he had relatives in Scotland and as a kid he went to a croft in Scotland, which is unheard of for us, you know. You, Butlins was the height, you know, for us. Gegness. Uh, so he did, he'd talk lovingly about the heather and the hills, oh, we, you know. <laughs> and I sort of got a feeling about it, and uh, eventually I'd, I ended up buying a farm up there, and I really love it now. You know? Although the Beatles have no official state-sanctioned F-bombs on their albums, John Lennon actually drops one accidentally in Hey Jude. An internet rock and roll wizard has enhanced the audio, and you can hear John say, fucking hell. Have a listen here. Thanks for that one, John. Here's the Beatles fucking around with Hey Jude. Don't be afraid 
that's the difficulty I find because well, your concept because uh, if somebody said no it doesn't go like that it goes like that but it goes like that and it goes through everything and it can be you know what I mean just one bit of music can be pop, jazz, classic whatever you want to do to it it is how are we doing Hal? there's some great moments singing that Paul but it wasn't the one to make it better it's, just, it's the second one out of every three, it is the one. Do you, want, do you want to hear any of it before you do any more, or do you want to go straight for another? This next song is a little bit of a 90s classic, and the singer stated that, I was in a creative rut. I was in between houses, sleeping on people's couches. It's a song about trying not to feel pathetic and lonely. I didn't think that masturbation was really seen from the point of view that I was looking at it. In songs like Turning Japanese, it always seems more about people pulling a pud or something. I was coming at it from a lonely guy's perspective. No girlfriend, no life, a complete loser. Longview by Green Day. next track is an absolute corker and has our favorite four letter word in it as well as a controversial five letter word jesus put them together and you've got sober by tool
I was 10 when it came out, so I was just a little bit too young, but one of the older kids on our estate had a copy of it, and it was known that somebody had an album with swearing on it. It's like, what? I remember hearing bodies with a heroic amount of bad language in that song, and uh, thinking, wow, you know. And um, I have to say, if Push Comes to Shove, it's probably the greatest album of all time, and people might think... It's a bit of an odd thing to say, but without that album, I don't think any of us would be doing what we're doing now. And particularly modern guitar music now comes from that record and from that band. Easily one of the top two bands ever, ever. And um, I still get excited when I see things on the TV when they're on like a classic albums or a documentary and still watch it. It still moves me. And I think for that band to only have been going for two and a half years and to change music not, not, not many bands get to change the the way that people dress, talk and feel and, and a culture You know, not many bands get to do that if any, if you consider that John was what, 18 when he wrote Anarchy in the UK I mean that's still to this day is staggering, his lyrics are for such a young lad they're unbelievable if you listen to it now, it sounds like it could be recorded yet tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? There's a spirit to it that is undeniable. To say what he said in such a short space of time, and they're pop songs as well. It's right up there with all the great pop records that you can think of. And the Beatles to the Stones to Elvis to Buddy Holly, the Kinks. All the way through, that album is right, sits right at the top. I got it every time I'm asked about my favourite album of all time. That's it for me, because if I, it wasn't for that, you wouldn't have had Definitely Maybe. No way. Absolutely no way. The, sa the sound is the sound we were going for. You know? So It's like any great music. It just is. The artwork is iconic. You know, the story of the Sex Pistols is iconic. The clothes that they wore have become iconic, you know. The people around them went on themselves to become iconic. Like Susie Sue and, you know, Billy Idol and Sid Vicious and, and all the... Uh, they started a thing, you know what I mean? It just is. And on its 50th anniversary, we'll still be talking about it. And on its 70th, you know. I do look back uh, when I watch old footage of the Sex Pistols and I see photographs. I really wish I'd have seen them in... 75 or 76 or 77 at their height. You know, we all got to see him afterwards when they reformed and all that. I wish I'd have seen them when it really, really meant something, you know. But I'm glad I'm glad they're still around, you know. I don't have many heroes and I'm not like a fanboy kind of thing, but he's one of the special ones. You know? So there you go. The greatest, I think, the Sex Pistols. That was Noel Gallagher and the song he mentioned at the start was Bodies by Sex Pistols.
Ari Gold from Entourage introducing this next song by Skid Row. You're fired. And in case your ears are fucked, get the fuck out! That's the last of the F-bomb songs for now before I get to my favourite in a minute. But every episode I want to include a funny, crazy or interesting story about one of the songs or artists. And today's story is about Guns N' Roses again. Here's a story about what went on during the recording of my favourite song of Appetite for Destruction, Rocket Queen. I'm sort of one of those girls that likes to stir the pot. And sometimes it ends up bad. One night in the studio, Axel had his head on my lap and I was stroking his hair and he closed his eyes and he was really serious and he was like, Adriana, you know, in his Axel voice, you know, there's something I'd like you to do. It's very serious. He wanted to have live sex sounds on a song he was mixing. We were young and wild and free and there was the notion that it was for an artistic purpose. Of course I would do that. Eventually I found out it was Rocket Queen. I had no idea that I was going to be rock and roll history, that it was going to be a legendary act. Let's take a short break and quickly recap the magic before I get to my favourite F-bomb song. Fuck all night. I'm the best fucker you ever had. This is fucking 
fucking teamwork. So I fucking fuck you discreetly. But you're still fucking peasants When masturbation's lost its fun You're fucking So here's the last of the F-bomb songs and my first choice, which is probably an obvious one. This track includes the word fuck 17 times. Respect. Here's the band talking about the song and a 2009 Facebook campaign to make it the number one Christmas single in the UK rather than a song off the shite TV show X Factor. In the previous four years, the Christmas number ones in the UK were all from the show. The campaign worked and the song went to number one. It was reported that X Factor's creator, Simon Cow, offered the two people who started the campaign marketing jobs at his record label after the victory. Two of my favourite things, Facebook and singing TV shows, both magic. For Christmas number one is raging. The might of the X Factor winner Joe McEldry is up against the online campaign by fans to get the US rap metal group Rage Against the Machine to the uh, to the top spot. Uh, I, I downloaded it myself the other day. It was kind of liberating. Uh, let's speak now to uh, the band. Good morning. How are you doing? We're doing well. How are you? Oh, good. Okay. Is that Tom there? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, we're all all four of us are on the line right now. Oh, fantastic! You could be number one for Christmas. How would that be? And what would you like to say to the potential buyers listening? Oh, hi. This is uh, this is Zach de la Rocha speaking. How are you? Um, I, I think it'd be a, a kind of a wonderful statement. Uh, the kids in all over the UK have responded uh, to this incredible internet campaign, and I think that it says something about. Um, you know, the, the, the real tensions that people are experiencing uh, all over uh, the UK and the United States as well. <clears throat> and I think people are just would love to hear a song that reflects some of the tensions that they're experiencing in their daily lives. And we're, we're very excited about it. Do you think it's a rage against the manufactured pop business? Well, I mean, th this has been a real, completely grassroots campaign started by real fans of music. And I think it's tapped into the silent majority of the people in the UK are tired of being spoon-fed sh one schmaltzy ballad after another, and they want to take back their own charts. And we are honored that they've chosen our song to be the rebel anthem to try to topple the uh, X Factor monopoly. What about those guys who say it's on the same record label as Simon Cowell, so ultimately he will still benefit? It's, he, he still... He operates well, under the Sony umbrella. Yeah, well, well, first of all, people are people are not buying Killing the Name to protest uh, a record coming out on a company. We wrote on a major company. We wrote Killing the Name in a small industrial slum in Los Angeles. The X Factor song was written by a cabal of overpaid songwriters <laughs> to shove that schmaltzy <laughs> business down your throats. So it's the, they're two very different choices. And the, the thing that the thing is that listeners need to know is it's a it's a really close race. And uh, I think that it's it's a. Re 
real liberating musical revolution that people are on. And again, we're really just honored to be a part of it. One of the things that we're doing is joining all the people from the Facebook campaign um, to help with an organization called Shelter, which is a homeless charity. Yeah. So uh, some of our proceeds, the windfall of proceeds from this is going to be going to Shelter. And you can learn about that at shelter.org.uk. Brilliant. And what do you guys think of Simon Cowell? Well, that, you know, Simon is a is an interesting character who seems to have profited greatly off uh, you know, humiliating people uh, on live television, and has a unique position of someone who could not only, uh, you know, uh, capture the attention of, of of some people on the on on television, but also on the airwaves. And we see this as a a, a necessary break in, uh, in the chain of that control. Merry Christmas. Here we go, people. You do what they told you. And now 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 you do what they told you. Thanks so much for listening and thanks to Rob Dean at Get Him A Body Bag Studios, Paddy Cummins, Simon Russell for Tech Help and Matt the Wombat Murderer O'Donnell for Podcast Chattery. And like I said at the start, if you do want to tell me what I did wrong, got wrong or missed out in this podcast, it took me a few full days to put together, you can send me an email at gofistyourself at fuckpoop.puppykick.org and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. But if you do have any topic suggestions, songs I may have missed, etc., hit me up on Instagram, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole Podcast, or suggestions at arockandrollrabbithole.com. And please rate and review the podcast where you can, and then hit me up on Instagram, and I'll send you out a sticker and pick pack. 
To end the podcast when I can, I'm going to add an example of the episode's topic by a lesser-known band. And today features a band from Melbourne called Steelbirds with a song that drops a subtle F-bomb in it. The song is called Take the Lead and jump over to the Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole website, arockandrollrabbithole.com and click the Victims tab. You can check out a Spotify playlist of Steelbirds tunes. Thanks again, guys. See ya. Seems to change like you lie.